You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Oneofus.net and all of the shows on it are 100% subscriber supported. Please consider becoming a subscriber to oneofus.net. Keep the site and all of our great shows going and get some terrific bonus content as well. You know, coming into a Shaft movie, I thought about a lot of great puns to lead into this, and I think the best way to lead into it is mostly the apology of, as the whitest person probably on our reviews besides Chris, I'm sorry for being the guy reviewing <laughs> the blackest movie we watched this year, or supposedly blackest movie we watched this year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you and Chris are neck and neck. I, I, I think uh, I think the last black man in San Francisco is a little blacker than this, but still pretty black. Uh, you know, this was a lot of fun. I'm Marco. I'm Ben. I'm Alan. Thank you, Margaret, for taking the lead on that. But yeah, we are watching and reviewing Shaft 2019, which is kind of a sequel to Shaft 2000. I think they purposely do show, like in the opening montage, a clip from that Shaft movie on a timeline type of thing. So I think it is officially in the lineage, like from the original Shafts to that Shaft to this Shaft. This is a sequel. It's all in the... It's yeah. a sequel that is separated by many, many years. I mean, 1971, we get the original Shaft. Between 71 and 74, you have Shaft, two sequels, a TV series comprised of seven 90-minute TV movies that apparently nobody likes, and then nothing. Man, I've never seen those. Years. I have not. That I was mentioning the Marco. I don't remember any of it because it was one of those drunk blackout nights of like going through Netflix, and they had Shaft in Africa, and saying... Well, I'm going to watch Shaft in Africa. I've been up drinking at 2 a.m. at college. What the fuck am I going to do? I don't remember Shaft in Africa. Yeah, yeah all I mean, those... That first one is a classic and worth watching, but... Uh, I remember the ran first seat. one. I, the sequels all kind of... I've probably maybe seen all of them, seen parts of all of them. They all kind of blend together. I, do, I don't remember the original as well as I should. I'm a big fan of black exploitation films, you know, classic. Yeah. But uh, this one... Is mainly the story of John J.J. Shaft Jr. Yeah. Uh, it mostly starts, well, it starts with Samuel L. Jackson as Shaft, John Shaft, who technically probably is John Shaft Jr. either way. In 1989, uh, he's there, uh, with his girlfriend, wife, girlfriend, who is played by, uh, Regina Hall, Maya. Um, and basically they're in a car and he sees some guys roll up on them and goes, I'm gonna do Shaft shit right now. Yeah, yeah. It gets to a pretty badass gunfight, actually. Moving from there, she says, I can't deal with this shit. We have a kid. Moves him away. And their lives kind of grow up independently. Um, you know, Samuel L. Jackson Shaft tries to be a dad sending gifts. Sort of. He, he doesn't understand how to be a dad yeah. fucking at all. The, the movie kind of shows they don't really he, – he's like – a bad. He's bad at it. He's not a. He's he's, not a good father. he's from a yes. past generation living in like this era for sure. Which like, I gave you a gun and a pack of condoms. What more do you need? Maybe yeah. more than the pack past generation, which me and Marco had talked about earlier. We'll maybe bring up later. But anyway, so basically, it goes through his whole life. JJ is now in his twenties. He's graduated MIT. He works for the FBI as an analyst. Basically, he's like. No, I can hack the shit out of any computer you put in front of me. It doesn't fucking matter yeah. if I'm on like a used Mac that has been beaten to shit. I can <laughs> hack whatever. Yeah, and he his like characterizations is like your like standard movie characterizations of like a millennial, like woke, hip, 
smart, cool, but like not like alpha. He's just like that's not like, very black. No, that, and that, and that is, is his dad's problem. According to Shaft, yeah, he's like a very like woke millennial kid. And they make all those jokes and honestly as a millennial, and yes, a white millennial, so I don't always get all the black jokes. Well, I get them, but I don't, I can't relate to them because I've watched enough media that I understand the black jokes they make. But it's like, it's like, no, honestly, the millennial jokes, I'm perfectly okay with them because they play them in the right degree where it's not like super abusive about millennials. It's more like, Oh no! Then they call themselves out for some of those. Yeah, as well. I, have, I have some thoughts on like those type of things. It, it's a generational comedy, yeah. is what it is. It's yeah. a buddy comedy with a generational twist. But, yeah. So before we get too far from that, there though. So basically, uh, he's working for the FBI, and he uh, is talking with some of his friends, uh, Kareem and uh, is it Sasha? Yeah. Sasha, yeah. Sasha, uh, Sasha, played by Alexandra Ship, who's more of the main character than Kareem because Kareem dies. Uh, he's supposed to be recovering. A- uh, drug user, former Marine or soldier, and basically came back with, you know, probably PTSD and used drugs to deal with it. And he's mostly clean, but he dies of a huge heroin overdose. And Very fishy. Suspiciously yes. large doses neither, of heroin. Neither Sasha nor JJ believe that, and evidence proves that they're probably wrong. JJ tries to go investigate himself and gets his ass handed to him by regular just street criminals and goes, he all right. He sort of figures out he needs to operate Somewhat outside of the law on this one. He can't really use his F. So who does he go to? John Schaff. The yeah. second. And, and of course, the minute Schaff goes, somebody laid hands on my son, that motherfucker's dead. Yeah. yeah it's like, I don't care if, if, if Manny is the boss, who's the motherfucker below him that touched you? Cause that yeah. motherfucker is getting shot in the fucking kneecap. That's just <laughs> happening. And it's kind of like, their their dichotomy shown immediately is kind of perfect because again, Chef makes fun of him in every millennial and every you know black guy who who's kind of old school. Who's yes, will, will insult like a uh, a black guy who's not traditional, you know, from the hood black guy. Like the, the cliche like right. popular idea of what it which is kind black. of ironic because we see that Chef lives in Harlem. He's kind of hard. He's you know, he's kind of got that street-level knowledge. He's keeping it real. And if you go back to the original Shaft, he was a character of, of motivation. He was sort of aspirational upward mobility. You know, Shaft, the original Shaft, didn't live in Harlem. He moved out of Harlem. He got some better money. He was independently, you know, mm-hmm. financially stable, had his own business, and moved to Greenwich Village, which was a very trendy place, and dressed in very nice clothes. This movie kind of takes a step back. And, and this is something you see in different generations, where it's like, no, we were poor, we're not going to be poor, yeah. and then the next generation goes, no, 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 we want to kind of keep it real, yeah. and then the generation after that goes, you know what, we can keep it real, but things like, you know, treating women with respect and avocado toast are perfectly fine things, too. Oh, and that's kind of the ba- the three balances. It's like the old, old school shaft, and then the 2001... 2002 yeah. Shaft? Uh, I think it's 2000, 2000 actually. 2000, like, yeah. Right on the line. So, and, and that yeah. one, the characterization of that Shaft is very much the characterization of the Samuel Brown Jackson three. we're yeah. getting here. Which, like, it's 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 a pretty well-thought through line, and you get mostly the two generations, and Samuel Jackson Shaft is kind of representing both, like, the old, old-school Shaft and then his generation and we're not, Shaft. And I don't think we're wrong to say... Uh, in spoil-ish, because in the trailer, that Richard Roundtree is in this movie. Oh, yeah. Very Introduce small amount. He's in the trailer, but honestly, when he gets in the he's movie... He's batting a thousand. Oh, my yeah, he's God. So he's so happy to be here, and he's yeah. having so much fun with it. Um, this movie is actually directed by Tim Story, who 
has a mixed career. Mixed, uh, I like some of his studio comedies. He did some the Fantastic really Four movies, both of them, which... bad. But uh, he did Barbershop, which I really love Barbershop. I love Barbershop. Taxi has his moments... First Sunday is a lot of fun. Yeah, he's up and down. Like, right along is probably the one he's done most recently, and that's it's one of his more guys. popular ones, I think. Yeah, and honestly, I think he gets some of. It's clear he understands and shows well African American culture, both from a more contemporary standpoint in the classic. Because, uh, as Marco was saying, is the Samuel Jackson Shaft is very much like he interpreted from his dad what the old school was, and yes. Gerontree Chef probably did fuck around quite a bit and shows it a bit, but he was a bit more classy. This chef was like, oh, my dad fucks around, and he gets in the 70s and the 80s and kind of takes that more into his own being a man way, which you know, we've talked about, um, uh, I don't mean to like divulge into more of one of us stuff, but like I've talked to our own Johnny Neal where like, I talked about making a quiche at one point, Johnny is like, remember back in like the 80s, making a quiche, people would be like, you're such a little bitch for making a quiche, and I was like, yeah, no. quiche was code for you're gay. Yeah, and now you, it's like you like quiche, and now it's like who the fuck cares? Like even Johnny was like that. It's like, and that's what this movie kind of gets at. Where it's like his shaft is the eighties and the seventies and the eighties shaft. He was yeah, like yeah. even the nineties. Yeah, and yeah. The, it was the overly macho trying to yeah. revoke shaft from what his dad showed him. And when you get to, do get to Richard Roundtree, like again, it's a small part of the movie, so I don't want to spoil much of it. There's bits where it's just like, no, he's living in a nice place. He's living in that, like, idea of any hometown where it's like, you don't lock your doors. Like, it's a lot of good jokes from there, but Samuel L. Jackson Shaft is the hard, like, I'm going to be a tough man, man Shaft. And they they also show why he's wrong. And that's where, well, that's where the comedy comes from between that tension with his son, who didn't grow up with him in his life. And was raised by his mother, played by Regina Hall. And he is, like, not that idea of a male. He's a very, like, today idea of what it means to be a man. Yeah. And that, like, butts up directly with Samuel Jackson Jackson's idea of it. And that's where, like, all the comedies mine. And, it will, and like, I should say, this movie is very funny. A lot of, was, a lot of hard laugh like, lines. This, uh, and it's, I was thinking it's kind of like low-hanging fruit, the jokes. Like, they're there, but they're told... And and delivered so well. Yeah. There's that nothing fresh about this, but no. it's done. It's so, so good. good. Yeah, Je- it's- Je- uh, the Jesse Usher, Jesse T. Usher plays JJ, uh, who's the only thing I'm looking at that I actually know him from is probably Independence Day Resurgence. And I think I, he's done more TV, and I don't remember that movie at all because it was pretty terrible. Yeah. But honestly, this movie works because his chemistry against Samuel L. Jackson is kind of perfect. Where he's not like the pushover millennial. But he kind of is. And Samuel Jackson is not the super over, you know, over the top owning the situation, tough guy, macho man, but he kind of is. And them butting against each other has enough chemistry, enough push and give and give and take that it actually it kind of works. Every yeah, no, time. They, they both evolve a little bit. And I don't want to make this sound too deep because this is not a deep uh, dive into, you know, the concepts of black masculinity and, you know, roles in today's society. It is, above all, it, it's a buddy action movie mm-hmm. between a dad and his father, these two guys who've never really you mean a known son and his father? Other. I'm sorry, son and his father. Dad and his father dad is, is well, the third half, the I, third thinking, quarter yeah, of the movie. There's, yeah, there's, there's two sets of dads, two sets of sons, if you want to look at it that way. And you realize that neither father has been the best role model, but they get the job done. This is a surprisingly fun film that doesn't remind me of black exploitation. Frankly, it's not the nineteen seventy one Shaft. Uh, it's which the, the original isn't very what I would call campy. It's a lot more straightforward detective, but has a lot of you know 
badass Black kind of elements. exploitation isn't something you can do today without highlighting what's wrong about it, which is why, and I joked with you guys before the movie started, the last good black exploitation movie we had was uh, Black Dynamite. And honestly, which is a parody. It's a spoof of exploitation. It is. Yeah. And honestly, it's because they understand what's wrong with black exploitation, but also highlight what's good about it. And that's kind of what this movie does is we well, yeah, well, in this movie is a de- it's actually it's a straight up departure from any of the other shafts. We're like, "Oh yeah. It's not camp. It's not taking it seriously. It is a straight comedy. It, it is, is a comedy. comedy. Comedy action more than action comedy. This reminded me more of 80s films. Yeah, it's like right. it has a Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly or, Hills Cop, 48 Hours. That type of thing. You know, which yeah. I, Midnight I, Run. I, yeah, I adore those movies, and I think that's the right way to go with exploitation because there's some direct references to what exploitation was. But then it also just diverges from that. Like, the millennial jokes, one of my favorite ones is Shaft is like, it's like, Oh, so you work for the FBI and you're and you're wealthy now? Let me guess. You you live in Greenwich Village. You have a metrosexual roommate with a dog, maybe a small cat. It's all exposed brick and you have a farmhouse sink. He's like, have you been spying on me? He's like, fuck you, no. Yeah. I just know exactly what stereotype you live in. And this is – and I'm like, that joke does work. I'm sorry. Yeah, that that is, is on the line. Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> is having a ball in this because he gets to be his most Samuel L. Jackson-y. He gets to be cool in every scene. He just walks in and dominates every situation. And you realize, if you go back to the 2000 Shaft, he was already rocking the Nick Fury look, only without the eye patch. (laughs) This guy just walks around in black leather trench coats all day and kicks people's asses. Uh, This was surprisingly... Uh, like I said, this was reminded me of the kind of stuff I grew up on in the 80s with these sort of buddy action cop type movies, Little Weapon and so forth, that always had that vein of humor in mm-hmm. it. The the contrast between the two guys who partnered up, but making it between a father and a son and setting in the current day uh, surprisingly elevated what was a frankly fairly mediocre plot. I think we all figured oh, out what yeah. was going on. The plot sure. is Not, completely secondary. There, there's some yeah. uh, ridiculous plot holes in it. Uh, there's a moment where, a very cool moment where they do uh, 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 an homage, if you will, to the original Shaft. If you look at the original Shaft poster, it's Richard Roundtree uh, swinging through a window, guns blazing. Well, they homage the hell out of that when you have three shafts doing the same thing uh, to not necessarily uh, successful results. But, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I get the homage, that's cute. There are a lot of moments in this movie where it almost goes meta. Almost, yeah. Almost. And I'm not sure if that was the right way to go. And there's some things that, like, well, you're talking about how it's updating a little too it. winky sometimes. Uh, sometimes. And updating it to modern times is interesting because this feels like a movie that could have come out, like, it feels like it came out in, like, 2013. This movie should have been released on VHS. Or something. Like, it feels a little bit that. And also, it should note that Shaft is... The movie itself and Shaft, the character, is definitely not woke at all. Oh, fuck Like, no. the well, jokes here are not at all. Even, well, like, it, I want to say, they make the joke that it's like, it's like, oh, he thinks she's the black James Bond. He goes, the motherfucker would believe he was me if he was real. I'm like, honestly, James Bond is so unwoke... And culture and culturally and sex, you know, uh, genderally or sexually, like repressed into the sixties. That yes, you are exactly. It's, that. it's the same characterization, yeah. yeah. And but this is like his Samuel Jackson's character, his ideas on like homosexuality and yeah. when he's be black, he assumes be man, his son is and, gay, the and way misogyny. Yeah. Like, and he makes a lot of jokes at that expense, which really 
you can't get away with, really, but in this context, you can, because he's representing right. an older era. I mean, it's like watching Archie Bunker, and you realize it's, Archie's vile, but you also laugh at him because it's, he's, he's you know, an unreconstructed male, and you realize that he's in the wrong. Yeah, so and the jokes the jokes are, that's the thing, the jokes are funny. Like, they're delivered funny, yes. and there is an opposition point yeah. to him. And they but, call him out a few times where he actually has to rely on what his son says is what you do now, right. and he hates it, but it works every time and for him. The women in the movie are like, we're not putting up with this That's the one bullshit. The kid, but like, they all like him still. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of having its cake and eating it That's too. That's exactly what um, it is. Which is, you know, honestly, like, I kind of love it for it. I, I yes. love I love the throwback sense to it. Because it's never, when I say it's not woke and there's like some, kind of some gay jokes in there and stuff, but it's never like super mean-spirited about it. It's never like mean. And it almost it's, always under, it's almost always undercut oh, the, immediately by somebody exactly. proving Shaft wrong. Or yeah. calling him out like, yeah, we don't say that anymore for good reason. Like, uh, I will say, the other thing this movie does so well is, I felt like in the trailer, the trailer sold me like crazy. Because it's like, it looks like they're just trying to have fun with it. And honestly, they sold some of the really good jokes in the trailer. I don't think they ruined anything because of that. The jokes that play in the trailer still make me laugh here. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I think I just saw one teaser for it. And I remember being like, oh, that looks pretty good. But watching the movie, I don't really remember any of those jokes being spoiled. They're either like slightly elevated by a different edit um, or like in the context of the yeah. whole movie they hit harder. I don't want to ruin anything so I'll kind of vaguely touch on things. There's the uh there's the scene where JJ uses the gun and then <laughs> Sasha sees him with the gun and is like completely aroused by it. And that scene gets played up even better, especially because of what they do with Maya in the scene before mm-hmm. where he makes the joke. He's like she's like, fuck you. And then it comes back to Sasha, she's like damn. I'm like yeah. that works. And then also Richard Roundtree the knife is in the trailer. Uh, and I'm like, honestly, that scene still works because Richard Roundtree, for as few of the scenes he has, is having the most fucking fun. Yeah, everyone in this movie, like, I will, and Regina Hall has a scene. Yeah. Like, she's, like, not in it much. Like, she's underutilized a lot these days. But when she shows up for, like, in the middle of the movie, she has one scene that... Yeah, killed. she it's just great. stole the movie for like a solid two and minutes. It's literally, just by herself. Yeah, and it's hilarious. solo, and this is just so funny. And then she she gets to play off Samuel Jackson like soon after that, and her like there aren't many there aren't many actors who could like go toe to toe with like a badass off and like a talk shit off with Samuel Jackson, and she just like is right there with him. You and realize just she's it. the one woman who can kind she, of put his check. It's foil. Who's like, yeah, it, it, it's it, so, it, she's works. so great in it. I do want to say this movie is primarily written by Kenya Barris, mm-hmm. who is mostly known for blackish in its spinoff shows. Mm-hmm. He did girls trip too, which is yes. a very funny comedy from uh, that guy. Again, another one who really understands African American culture and how to bring and also how, you know, the previous preconceptions of African American culture brought into present day, Work because that's why those shows work. And honestly, I haven't watched much of them, but every time I watch them, it's like you do get this, and it works. And the comedy works. Um, and I believe Alex, Alex Barnow, who's also credited, is one of the original writers of the original Shaft. Yeah. So, yeah. oh, is he? Yeah, I I that's why he has the well, I know Ernest Tidyman because uh, I can see it here as well. He was the guy who wrote the original Shaft novel, and then you know, I believe Barnow the others, yeah, tied to the other ones. He wrote uh, French Connection and some other really cool movies. But yeah, Shaft was a uh, look. If you go back to the black exploitation genre, Shaft is a seminal work. It's not the greatest movie. It's got its flaws. But there's no denying that it was one of the first really successful attempts at black exploitation and kind of set a figure 
that had not previously been seen in films. That alone makes it a significant uh, entry in the genre. This film's not trying for any kind of great relevance. Uh, this is not a culturally important film. This is simply a good time at the movies. I mean, which is, you know, some days that's all you want. And this does exactly what you expect of it. Well, Marco, you're already kind of halfway there. Why don't you finish up with your final thoughts? Okay. Uh, like I said, I had a lot of fun. This was a throwback to a bunch of cheesy 80s films uh, to that, for me, don't get made anymore, probably because when you really examine them closely, they are horribly, you know, lunk-headed <laughs> in terms of misogyny, uh, homophobia, and, you know, in just senseless violence. But that's what we grew up on. Mm-hmm. We're a little more woke now. So this is a film, it, and Alan took the words right out of my mouth, uh, this is a film that has its cake and eat it, too. And it's like... Yes, we're going to do some gay panic jokes here, and yes, we're going to poke some fun at some misogynistic stuff, but we're always going to remind the audience that that is not acceptable, and that Shaft is wrong, and therein lies the humor. He is the hero, but, you know, he's a deeply flawed man, but in a very, very funny way. Uh, I would say go see this movie if you, uh, it's a matinee show, like I said, it's not a culturally relevant film, but if you're just looking for, you know, 90 minutes or so of just fun, uh, I thought the action scenes were shot pretty haphazardly and edited pretty poorly, but you don't care. This is all about the chemistry between the actors. The plots are relevant. You're just seeing a bunch of great actors having a fantastic time together and selling every line they have. I give this 8 out of 10 glitter-covered beards. Alan, (laughs) what you got? Yeah, so I... Yeah, I think I'm kind of on the same page with it. Like, all that... I was thinking about this movie in comparison to some other movies that are very different from this movie. Like, Booksmart, which recently mm-hmm. is out, and Longshot, which recently came out. Mm-hmm. And these are three movies that are mid-budget movies to yeah. low-budget movies. We got a ro- romantic comedy, we have a high school movie, and we have action buddy stuff. And these are exactly the type of movies, those middle-ground movies that people yeah. are clamoring for. It's like... Or not, you know, it's like, why don't they make movies like this? I'm tired of seeing superhero movies. Like, yeah, go see these movies. Like, Longshot and Booksmart both didn't do well at the box office. And this is, you know, it's a completely different genre, but it's in that same middle ground. It's like, this used to be the average movie. Yeah, this is your average movie. And like, summer block. No, no, and you're right, because my mom is hard to sell in a movie. And my dad was like, your mom saw these trailers. And even she laughed and said, I'd watch that. Yeah. And it's the thing that people like, they, you know, you see people complaining on Twitter, like, oh, like, they don't make movies like that. And then you ask them, oh, did you go see Longshot? It's like, no. I'll wait for Netflix. Or did you, you see go. Booksmart? No, no, you know, I'll see it on a plane sometime. Or did you see Shaft? It's like, oh, is that good? I don't know if I want to see that. Like, you know, you, you get together and see these right. types of movies. And this is a prime example. It's one of, like... Yeah, you're going to go see Men in Black, even though you, nobody really thinks it's going to be good. And who cares go about the new anyway. sequel? But they're going to see it because it's big. It's, it's a thing. big movie. But this is... I. I can't guarantee because I haven't seen Men in Black, but I can almost guarantee it's probably better than that movie. And, like, with Longshot and Booksmart, like, these are the type of movies, like, you should go see, go support, check them out. Like, and yeah. this, along with those two other movies, this is one of the movies I've had the most fun watching this year. Yeah. Because it kind of came out of, like, no reforming, and it's just doing what it wants to do so well. Yeah. It's not making high art. It's not making the spectacle. It's just making a buddy action movie with some generational humor so well. And um, to compare it to a recent performance, like, if a different type of movie, but I was saying how, like, the way Aladdin, it was, like, the first time in a while we got to see Will Smith as be unleashed, like, be a charming movie star again. 
this is the first time we've gotten to see Samuel Jackson um, in a while be this unleashed. Just like be the badass shit talking motherfucker again, like yeah. full on. Right. Like the it's R rated. The cuffs are off. Fucking chew up every scene you're in and have fun. And he does it, and it's really fun yeah. to watch. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna go nine out of ten. Sort of inappropriate, but kind of inappropriate, but ultimately pretty funny. Good jokes. I can't agree enough with you two guys. It's, I think we're all in the same review. You said eight? I said nine. Nine. Okay. It's because it does what it's doing so well. No, you're right. And it's one of those ones I've had a very hard time saying anything truly bad about it. Like, yes, the plot's kind of formulaic. It's a Shaft movie. Yeah. It is the, you know, the classic action movie. And honestly, it's as fun as that. Me and Marco were mostly talking about how it relates to 80s movies when we were uh, – we, so, spoiler alert for you guys listening. We, we saw two movies tonight between the two groups, and there was a split where me and Marco went to go grab some drinks, and Alan was doing things that may or may not be <laughs> valid at a theater. Uh, I was masturbating. No, I'm just kidding. I just I, I went to another God movie. God damn you! You masturbated and you did not pay a ticket. <laughs> I was sir. waiting. How are theaters <laughs> supposed to survive if chronic masturbators do not pay their ticket prices? I, I was waiting to come review, so I just walked into another movie and watched 30 minutes of it. But I will say, before this review, I paid for Rocket Man to go see that before we watched this movie. So I'm oh, there you ready go. Money. There I got popcorn. Yeah. So I mean, Marco were drinking. We talked afterwards, and like Marco mentioned. Lethal Weapon, and I'm like, I feel like this movie's right in line with the Lethal Weapon series, because I adored that series, even the fourth one, which has its issues, but because it's, it, even the fourth one has some of those jokes where you're like, none of those, a lot of those jokes don't work oh, PC-wise, yeah. but honestly, I will still watch the movie repeatedly and just be like, this is so much fun. Yeah. This is so much popcorn-chomping, great chemistry between its leads movie. And that's what this is, honestly. Seeing Jesse Usher, who I had no baseline for, and basically yeah, we haven't talked about him that much. But he was great. great. Yes, talk about keeping up with Sam Jackson. All He's of awesome. us were like, who is I, this guy? I think everyone coming into this movie said this guy could be the issue with the movie if he doesn't hold his own. We got a problem. Yeah. And he has the quick comebacks for Samuel Jackson, or when he doesn't, it's it fits the character it's perfectly funny. Yeah, and when he gets his ass kicked, he is a funny guy getting his ass kicked. Yeah, he, and he's one of the only cast members who really has to do any type of physical comedy along with the other stuff, sure. and he pulls that off, too. Yeah. It's just, like, and again, we've mentioned Richard Rentry a little bit, and we don't spoil much because he's not in much of the movie, but he is killing it. Every scene with him, including the set dressing, which is more the direction, really, about what they put in the scene to explain his character, fits. This movie is just, it's unsurmountable amounts of fun, the plot's predictable, but you just enjoy every moment. Because the jokes, even when they're obvious jokes, the chemistry sells it. And you appreciate where it's like, yeah, that guy would make that joke. Or that guy would not understand that joke made at his expense. Yeah, Every one of them is kind of worse. And the action, we haven't mentioned it much, does work. Yeah. Every action scene is just is a very clean action scene. It's not the most polished thing you've ever seen, but... It's enough that you will be like, that's a good gunfight, or that's a good, you know, uh, you know, melee combat scene. Yeah, and not to interrupt the only friend. No, go ahead. I had one more thought. Like, 
if the action, there's like a couple action scenes that are kind of sloppily edited. Mostly it's fine. Yeah. Fine to like kind of good. Some of it's like, uh, and that's like the one thing. If those were like just perfectly clean and awesome, it'd be like a 10 out of 10 for me. Yeah. Cause, but those, but even then, it's not like it's. I mean, bad. the original exploitation films did not have great action. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like, everything it's, surrounding it's the action. Cheaply. It's, it is done well enough for it. It's not like this is the bad. It's just like, this is fine. Exactly. Yeah. And finally, and we'll talk about this probably more in a minute, but. All the references to the classic shaft when they try to shoehorn them in, and the ones that everybody knows because everybody knows the Isaac Hayes soundtrack. When they reference that song, it's great, except for the final credits. But in, I, I, within yeah. the movie, which is like you know it's coming at some point. Yeah. There's a bad, there's a bad mother of the shames of the movie is that Isaac Hayes' son, who controls his estate, kind of publicly said he was really disappointed because they did not use any of his dad's music other than the old song. Yeah. You know, he was like, my dad left behind hundreds of hours of unused material. And I was like, we could put this, you could put this in a new Shaft movie for today's audiences. And they're like, eh, nah. So, you know, it, I, I, I think the score did reference some yes, of the Yes, and the I will Shaft say movies. the original, the yeah. soundtrack to this movie is a lot of other hip-hop. Yeah. From the lot, 80s and 90s. And honestly, yeah. they fit. Yeah. Like, they are good hip-hop where it doesn't feel like out of place or trying to fit in. It's just good hip-hop thrown in there. And that's what I like. This movie just... It kind of rang all those bells I wanted from it. Same. It's, it has its faults. Uh, I'm going to give it eight and a half out of ten erotic gun scenes. I'm <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, no, so, enough of those yeah. these days. Mention the soundtrack, though. It has the one flaw, which is at the end. It tries to come with the Shaft theme. Yeah. And then yeah. it has... Mediocre at best rapping over it. Yeah, you can't cover Shafty. Every rapper has sampled Isaac Hayes, but I'm like, you can't replace the Isaac uh, Hayes. I, I actually just listened to it on my way over on the soundtrack, so, and and it's by Quavo from Migos, who I like Migos, yeah. but like, it's not good. It's just no. like I, it's it's just too hard to. The only time recently where I've heard this and like an exploitation thing is the remake of Superfly last year. But that was Atlanta based, and then they got Future from Atlanta to kind of do a remix on that song. Fair enough. And, it kind of bangs. Just out there. I, I listened to the original Shaft thing this morning, and it's easy. Well, not this morning afternoon, I guess. But it's a great song. E- easy enough to just like the original main theme for Shaft. That song is like five minutes of just pure, perfect, yeah. like synth music, yeah. and then it comes in with Isaac Hayes's perfect voice. Who is the man? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yes. That's the thing. It's too iconic to try to, like, cover. They yeah, almost should have not tried really to do it at the end. end. But, you know, that's the end credits. Which I, I always thought, you know, like, if you look at Shaft and Superfly, which are kind of like the two titans <laughs> yeah. of, you know, black exploitation, I've always felt like, you know, I'm going to say that Shaft is the better constructed, more polished movie. Mm-hmm. Superfly has the better soundtrack. I was going to say, Superfly is the better theme because Shaft is like... And I'm not saying just the theme. There's a whole oh, no. album of music. No, but even the theme, the theme alone, because the theme is to Shaft is him like calling an answer with people. And it's like, mm-hmm. if you no, really break it down, it's not a fantastic song. It's mostly because Isaac Hayes' voice with that theme works. Superfly is like, this is a good we should, song. We should probably end uh, this review. <laughs> yes, we yeah, should. Superfly. Stay tuned for the bonus soundtrack dispute. Yeah. Who's the critics who who dig all the shit? Soundtrack disputes next time on One of Us. <laughs>